Uh, happy Monday, everyone. Hope you had a great uh, weekend, a long weekend. But one thing that I was disappointed about uh, over the weekend that was, besides me running out of leftovers on Friday, I, I still, damn, I could have just devoured more and more and more over the weekend. I love Thanksgiving food leftovers. But it was Black Friday. Now, I worked retail a long time ago when I was going to school, and that was, that was over 10 years ago. Uh, that was about fifteen. That was like twelve to fifteen years ago, and on Black Friday, people—it was reckless abandon out there. People would throw caution to the wind. They would punch grandmas. They would step over little children. Uh, they would get into altercations. Hell, there was a, a a count every year of how many people died on Black Friday. Like it, p- people, mm, people were at a fever pitch to get deals. That spoiler alert: when I worked in retail, the deals. The week before Black Friday were actually better than yeah. the deals on Black Friday. Well, it's like they they keep it the same, but then they mark it up. So the sale takes it to where it was. Yeah, they just, yeah. So my biggest complaint is where were the the mobs? Where were the riots? Where were the people stabbing each other for a, a TV that was $5 off? It's all online now. It didn't happen. It's all online. Where, where was the news stories? Where, no one's lining up at 5 a.m. looking the windows trying to get in. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, I was at Macy's, and we opened at f- uh, 5 a.m. And the, you know, at, at Hilldale down there, before all the renovations, because now it's an outdoor mall. But believe it or not, it used to be an indoor mall before that. Yeah. And there was these giant glass doors that what, what was Marshall. What was it before? Uh, Marshall Fields. And then it turned into Macy's. Was it? Yeah. Huh. There's these giant glass doors. And literally, I'll never forget it. The first year I worked Black Friday. There was just this horde of zombies out there. Like they're just their their noses were pressed up against the window. They're breathing heavy on the glass. Some were licking it. Some were trying to like if you waited too long, they would have took a rock and bashed it in to get some slippers that were it's five a.m. That were ten percent off. Didn't happen this year, boys. I saw nothing. Yeah. Did you guys see anything? Anything? No. Black Friday really? Yeah, you, yeah. Usually you see that footage of like uh, where they open the doors and people just come running in. Yeah, they send, you get to trample people yeah. to stampede. I mean, when you have places like you said, no, uh, I never participated in Black Friday. I had to work it a couple times. I never did it myself. Neither have I. Because I thought um, it was all this, this well, scrounge of humanity. Especially now, you have places who start doing online deals. No, this is the pre- right after Halloween. This is the pre-Black Friday deals that yeah. I saw online. It was like two weeks in advance. And then and then your Black Friday, your small business Saturday, whatever they call the Sunday, and then Cyber, Cyber Monday, Monday today. Like, it's just the extension of the deals that have already been happening. And yeah. then as you get closer to Christmas, there get to be bigger deals anyway. Yeah. Like, Black Friday is no longer a th- thing or shouldn't be if you still get up and go and do that you either a are just programmed to do it or b aren't smart enough to look up that deals happen well rj some, some older folk don't like to use the internet like you know you and i maybe. oh well. <laughs> well that's why they're not into today they're not into cyber monday Correct. Yeah. They, they would have been in Black Friday. Yeah, they're the ones getting trampled. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, but now they're like, where are all these people for these deals? Yeah. With more things being spread out and you know more stuff being online, the only thing that really 
could be called Black Friday. It's betting Nebraska Iowa on Friday. <laughs> okay, boys. That let's let's talk a little college. There were some amazing games. I will even throw up not the not for the Razors. Did you at least bet the under for it? No. <laughs> what a close that twenty three and a half. No, twenty four five and a half. Twenty five and a half. It, and it was the lowest ever. Yeah. It beat the lowest ever total. What by did it finish at twenty three? Was it twenty three total points? Yes. Yeah, it was thirteen yeah. to ten. Yeah, yep. that game. Uh, they kept cutting to the fans, the two guys with the gray shirts, the punts, punt, punt, punt. punt. <laughs> that was funny. You got, by God, they got their hearts filled of the of punts. Yeah, on Friday, that game was amazing in its own way. As, <laughs> um, I, I mean, Rowdy, you're, you've been a Matt Rule guy for a while. Are you? Are I think you? He waiting? does a great job in college football. Are you waiting on the Matt Rule train? How? Took over a pretty bad team. I, True. I just don't get how they lose some of these games. Like, why are you calling timeout there? What the hell is Purdy looking at? He threw that pick right to that dude. I, you can't even make it up how they lost the game. Oh, I mean, they essentially did exactly what they did against Wisconsin. They played for overtime rather than trying to win the game. Yeah. Like, what are you? You're at home. They could have scored. Watching that final drive that Nebraska had, they could have scored a touchdown on that drive, the way they were moving the ball. I was seething after that game. And then I have to see like memes and tweets saying, what if I told you that you intercepted a ball with 30 seconds left and still found a way to lose? <laughs> it was like it was like something like I, you intercepted the football in the plus territory and still managed to lose. Yeah. How, how in the world is Iowa? I know the answer, but how in the world is Iowa the West champions? Because everyone in the West stinks. That's the answer. And Iowa. <laughs> okay. So I went back and actually looked because I, I needed to know. Iowa averaging just over 18 points a game. It, it's the lowest for a power five team that's ever won 10 games. Ever. Uh, 14.6 in uh, Big Ten play. Yeah. <laughs> Just wow. over 18 in general. And yeah. when we're talking about in general, obviously, RJ mentioned the, the Big Ten play there. Oh, they actually, played directly on 18 per game. <laughs> they played Utah State, Iowa State, and Western Michigan. Western Michigan did not make a bowl game. Well, they they won four games. On them? Utah State barely made a bowl game in the Mountain West. And then Iowa State is a respectable Bowl team that they, was seven and five, eight and four. Did lose to Minnesota though, who squeaked in by their APR. But here's the thing: <laughs> this is the craziest part about Iowa. They're averaging about eighteen points a game. They're only giving up a little over twelve points a game. Yeah. So basically, a normal Iowa game is like eighteen to twelve. Right. And if you look at their schedule, they never should have lost to Minnesota. That was no. a questionable at best. A eh, questionable. I don't know. I don't know. He did not. Cooper DeGene did not call for a fair catch, Neither but they Alec, called him Alex for Erickson, but. a fair catch, but he returned the punt. And and the thing is with that, nobody on the field thought he called for a fair catch. Everyone was still trying to tackle him and play. The only people that thought he fair caught the football was like that one particular referee. If that call isn't made, which I don't believe it should have been, they beat Minnesota and this Iowa team is 11 and one with their only <laughs> loss being to Penn state. 
I think there was 21 punts in that game. <laughs> the Iowa Nebraska. I think there was 21 punts total. Well, let's. I'm. I. I just counted it. I'm pretty sure. It, I, I don't know. It's on the fly. I think there was 21 punts. That's that's amazing. What what a beautiful homage to the send off of the Big Ten West. Yeah. Because the West and East are going to be no more now. Wow. So that game. All right. Well, the f- fast forward. Michigan beats Ohio State. That was a hell of a game too. Um, but McCord to the pick at the end there. Uh, Rowdy, I'm sure you watched Michigan Ohio State. I'm sure you did too, RJ. Thoughts on the Michigan Ohio State game? I I mean, it was one that lived up to the hype. Uh, whichever way you wanted to go on it, uh, you can't say you were not entertained by that game. It was an entertaining game, Rowdy. I'm sure you were entertained by it. Yeah, and I think the rightful team won Michigan. Michigan's the better team. I mean, think about what they just did. Michigan goes in there without their head coach, wins the game, beats beats the number three team, and again, it was a close game that Michigan, for the third straight year, found a way to pull away. Now, I know in, in the last couple of years, they absolutely blew the doors off of Ohio State in the second half, but they were relatively close first halves. This game was pretty close all the way through, and Michigan found a way to win again with a co- without their coach and with some guys coming down injured, like one of their big tackles. Ooh, yeah. He wow. hurt his knee. He's done for the year. They thought it might be hard not to, to be able to run without him on there. Blake Corum ran the football right down Ohio State's throat, and I, you know, I think if, if in a perfect world the coaches would have said, hey, Blake, instead of picking up that first down, why don't you just get down? Because then we would have uh, been able to knee the football out, and we went ahead to pick off uh, McCord. <laughs> Were you going to say something, Uh a Research department, uh, 14 punts. Oh. Uh, seven per side. Oh, I, I think I, I must have counted a, a quarter twice. Yeah, there was way <laughs> too many. There was way too many missed freaking field goals and turnovers for 21. <laughs> uh, I, I think I read a quarter twice. <laughs> Iowa punted seven times for 297 yards. <laughs> Nebraska seven times for 279 yards. So yeah, how many what was how many again? Four. 297 for Iowa and 279 for Nebraska. With how many the total how many punts? 14. 14. 14. 14 punts. Absolutely incredible. All right, boys. Michigan Iowa Big 10 Championship game. Michigan runs away with it or does Iowa have a chance with that defense and special teams? They hit more punt yards than offensive yards, both of them. This is going to be a murder. There's going to be a murder in Indianapolis next Saturday night. And it's going to be Michigan just absolutely bludgeoning Iowa. Go back and look. Pull it up. Go back and look. 2021, uh, they had a Big Ten matchup between Michigan and Iowa. I would argue that that Iowa team was better in 2021 than it currently is. I would argue that the Michigan team in 2021 is worse than this Michigan team. And if you look at that score, it was 42 to three. Michigan ran Iowa out of the building. And you know who's back on Saturday? Jim Harbaugh. You know what Harbaugh loves to do? Harbaugh's coming through those doors, baby. The score. Bully people. He's do if that he can, man, walk in. If he can sure. bully sure. someone, he does it. And you know what? It's a team that is very bulliable. This Iowa team with his Michigan team. Oh. And you don't think that, oh, that Jim Harbaugh, who had to take a three-game suspension and missed six games total this year, 
and all the nonsense and, and trash that's been talked in college football and especially from Ohio State and other fan bases, you don't think he's going to come in and absolutely just hammer Iowa? Michigan's favored by 23 points. Yeah, and I don't yeah. know. I don't even know if that's enough. My probably not. God. No, they're saying that the final score with the total and the the spread should roughly roughly be 28 to 7. That does that doesn't seem like the score that I could envision happening. <laughs> I could see Iowa getting to 7. Yeah. Um I could see Michigan getting to 45. Wow. Uh look at what look at Iowa's Iowa's legitimate one loss, the true the true loss that they have, Penn State. You look at Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State, Ohio State and Michigan, all three of those teams, really good defenses. All three can stop the run. All three are pretty good against the pass. All three have pretty good special teams. I would say out of those three, Michigan's is probably the best. Yeah. Iowa didn't score against Penn State. They got shut out 31 to nothing. <laughs> like, uh, the other one is... Deacon Hill going to be healthy? Yeah, he was. Does it matter? No. No. I want to know who's going to play quarterback was it a, for him. Was it a ribbon? Was it ribs? Was ribs. It, he was, was limping. Yeah. Like, he, like, was, he was banged. Yeah. Good thing he's got a lot of meat on his bones because <laughs> extra padding. He was banged up. Yeah. But, yeah, to Ruddy's point, does it matter? No, it doesn't. But, like, I just want to know. Big arm, bigger if he body. Is hurt, what Did you know that, that he's completing like? 48% of his passes? Ooh. Hey. Ooh. I was told that's the only stat to look at when seeing if a quarterback was good. He has more interceptions than touchdowns thrown. Yeah. And yet he's winning football games. A guy that was... Well, is he? Well, the team is winning football games. (laughs) The team that he quarterbacks is finding ways to win games because the defense is good and the special teams is good. But he has only completed more than 11 passes twice this year. Wow. Yeah. Twice. Iowa. Unbelievable. What a team. What a team. Uh, I did see RJ real quick. What are your thoughts on this? I saw some uh, college football Reddit stuff. And obviously they got to be in in line for a new offensive coordinator. Like I I think they're in line for a new head coach. The way Kirk Ferentz has been like acting and stuff. Like even after the game against Nebraska, they were like, hey, how does this win feel? He started crying. Like I've never seen him cry, cry. Like just well, after. Games if your team before. played like that too, wouldn't one you thing, cry? But still, I one think- thing is a matter of fact that we know is true is I think Brian France is not coming back. No, he's not going to meet his qualification that, on the contract. That was already announced like three weeks yeah, ago. They already said, "Sorry, <laughs> we'll just say that we have a new, they're just different role." No. I don't think he's going to be there. At I could all. see him coming back as like an offensive line type coach, but he's definitely not going to be the OC. No. But anyways, Kirk, who knows what happens with him? But I saw on this college football Reddit, and I'm kind of if I was an Iowa fan, I'd be all about this. So Scott Frost, Dana Holgerson, <laughs> hey, just got fired. Who just got yeah. fired from Houston? Yeah. He's had some big time offensive success at Houston and at West Virginia. And there was somehow there, I don't remember the exact connection, but there was a connection between him and somebody at Iowa. Yeah. Him coming back, maybe taking a bit of a lesser job to be the OC at Iowa. If I was an Iowa fan, I'd be rooting for that. I, I do like how though he got fired after the beginning of the season bragging about how his buyout was too big. <laughs> hey, guess what? Yeah, fired. Well, well you know, the one thing on Dago, uh, Dana Holgerson 
like he had some pretty good offenses at West Virginia, and then that it kind of ran its course. Yeah, and he moved to Houston, and let's not forget he had the Eric King, yeah. who actually I believe finished his career at Miami, uh, a very good dual threat quarterback. The thing with Derek King was he played four really good games for Houston and they found ways to lose because their defense was so crappy that Dana Holgerson had this great idea and said, Hey, you know what? There's this new red shirt rule where you don't play more than four games. We can keep you. Well, we got some really nice young, young players on this team. Let's just not have all you guys play games five through 12 and we'll red shirt all of you. Yeah. And guess what? All of them said, Bye. Yeah. Well, they're like, we want to play. See ya. We're out of here. I think like there's like a dozen kids transferred yeah. out that year. They're like, you just sat us thinking that you could use us for another year and you yeah. didn't let us play. I'm trying to make it to the NFL. There's also this thing called the transfer portal. Coach. Yeah. Uh, that maybe, back. Maybe you didn't hear about it. The time that he did that, I think that was the writing on the wall that his time at Houston yeah. wasn't going to be a good one. Back where it belongs, right, Rowdy? Looks better in Madison. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> How about the uh, the chopping of the goalpost? Have you stopped watching it yet, uh, yet, RJ? You said on your uh, Instagram account that I could watch this forever. Well, I said all day. Or all day. Okay. Day is over now. Day is over. Actually, depending on uh, when I posted that, the day ain't over yet. <laughs> I have four more hours to watch it. He ain't leaving from watching it. Yeah, that game was uh, started out slow again. Badgers love starting out slow defensively. But, my God, Braylon Allen put that team on his back and uh, got it done. Tanner Mordecai on the feet, getting it done as well, boys. Uh, Rowdy, I, th- I think you tweeted it out, the most complete game Wisconsin had had all season. Yeah, outside of that first possession where the defense obviously uh, pretty much let Minnesota just cruise right down the field, I thought Wisconsin was pretty locked in. And, I mean, towards the end, they feel like they could have scored a little bit more, but obviously they took their foot off the gas because uh, they were up by two scores. <laughs> uh, yeah, felt good. Um, felt like, you know, this is the team that we've been kind of wanting to see all season. I'm going to put a Twitter poll out there and give a grade on the season that was. Now, uh, before we get to that, though, the next up is uh, the bowl game. Is uh, When are they going to announce that? Was it the f- Normally it'll come sixth? out like the middle of... The sixth, I think. It'll come out like not this week, yeah. but the middle of next week. And I've been looking at a ton of different uh, publications since uh, basically Saturday's games. Out of about eight publications that I was looking through, I think seven out of the eight had them projected to the Music City Bowl now. Yeah. And it was a number of, of teams for potential matchups, but the most consistent one had to have been Texas A&M. There was also some Kentucky sprinkled in there and some Auburn. Only one publication of the eight I looked at had them not going to the Music City Bowl. And I believe that was at Sports Illustrated and that had them going to the Pinstripe Bowl to take on Virginia Tech. But everything else was Music City Bowl and most of those publications had them playing Texas A&M. The game, hilarious. P.J. Fleck, uh, after the game, I should sit more say, uh, hilarious. And then, of course, because of Hawaii on a last second time expiring crazy field goal, Minnesota makes it into a bowl game. Mm. The last team yep. in the nation to squeak in 
to a bowl game. Did you see how they get in, though? Yeah. It has to do with grades. So they're yeah. like the academic progress. The, yes, they are the smartest team that is not going bowling or that was not qualified to be going bowling. Uh, I'm just glad that James Madison and Jacksonville State got in. <laughs> yeah. Because that's absolute crime that, that they wouldn't have been included. Um, let's see here. Hawaii's 51 yard field goal at the gun beats Colorado State, who finished five and seven with that. College football regular season ends with 81 six win teams. There's 41 bowl games equals 82 spots. <laughs> Therefore, the five and seven team with the highest academic progress rating fills the lone vacancy. And because of that Hawaii field goal and the grades that Minnesota has, it is goal for football. Mm. Will P.J. Fleck make a ring about it? Probably. We got a bowl game because of GPA. We weren't shut out against Ohio State because we kicked a, a, a field goal late in the fourth quarter. In um, his press conference after the game against the Badgers, he kind of blamed all his players but himself. Uh, yeah, I guess he took a little bit of his blame after he blamed everyone else but himself. But he also did know the situation uh, at hand because he immediately went on to congratulate their academic services for giving them such a high academic progress rate. So, like, he he knew already. Like, he's like, oh, we didn't. That turned into we didn't have to win today. Like, it, it was like, like, that was one of the more bizarre press conferences I watched. Yeah. It didn't even look like him either. Like it hasn't since he got. It looked. Those, he looked even different. He looked him. even different than from. Before. It looked like a deep fake PJ Fleck. <laughs> like it was like an AI thing. I'm like, is that actually? I had to look twice. I'm like, is that really PJ Fleck? It's so bizarre. He's such a strange man. Yes. Hey, but yeah, um, the win from Wisconsin. We'll get into it now. Uh, you get a little more practice, RJ. You ready? You get a little more prep time. You get a little more. Uh, yeah, till, you get a little vacation, like December twenty something. Uh, yeah, if they project to the uh, Pinstripe Bowl, that would be the twenty eighth, I believe, and Music City would be December thirtieth. No, even more time. Oh, oh, baby! So you get about an extra month. Yeah, yeah, that's that, nice. That's never a bad thing. I did <laughs> like. Uh, I watched uh, that Fleck press conference and all the comments on the side were just don't even accept it. The kids don't even want to be here anymore. And none of them want the extra month of practice. I was like, what? And one guy speaking as a former D1 player said this. We hated it. I was like, no, you didn't. Because quite frankly, the worst part of the season is when the season ends. Yeah. Then you're like the puppy that's lost his way. Yeah. You know? what are you gonna, after that, you got to go home. You're going to tell me that you don't want to go to a bowl game, a.k.a. get a free vacation? Yeah. While playing a game? Right. Sounds pretty fun to me. Like I, I would take a vacation somewhere. Oh, we were talking the Big Ten Championship game coming up here. Our guy, Luke the Law Hand. Good morning, Luke. Thanks for listening. Slow hand? The Law Hand. <laughs> I'm not talking Conway Twitty. He said, you guys said the spread and over-under in the Big Ten Championship game, Iowa is good for a touchdown. Rowdy, I'll divert to you. What are your odds on whether that touchdown comes from the Iowa defense rather than the offense? Yeah, if you want to bet the Iowa defense for an anytime touchdown score, that's 18 to 1. <laughs> What's anytime touchdown for the offense? 88 to 1. <laughs> Nothing specifically, but you can. It's got to be broken down by player. But I will say this for best chances. To score a touchdown in that game, Blake Corum won, Roman Wilson two, 
Donovan Edwards, three. Colston Loveland, four. J.J. McCarthy, five. Cornelius Johnson, six. Samaj Morgan, seven. Uh, Michael, or Michigan defense, eight. Great name, Cornelius. What's, um, a, what's an anytime touchdown for Deacon Hill looking like? It's not even listed. I, was gonna say, I, I literally <laughs> just going to say it doesn't exist. The first player on Iowa's team for an anytime touchdown is the ninth player listed for odds available. Oh, I thought you were going to say Cooper. <laughs> and it's and Nico. Plain. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to butcher the last name. Nico Ragani. Ragan not going to score today. Yeah. It's very telling when there are eight Michigan <laughs> players slash defenses ahead of Iowa's first a uh, player that has the best odds for Iowa to score. I forget who it was on the broadcast after the game. They were talking about the Big Ten championship game, and there's one guy, a coach, doing a little coach speak about how, you know, Iowa's defense, this and that. I forget who it was. He goes, no, there's no chance. There's literally no chance. It was um, nothing. It was uh, Acho. Yeah, Acho. Oh. He's like, Acho's like, he's like, I respect the coach speak. No chance. It's Sam and. There's no chance. Oh, uh, what you got? What's the, RJ? It's Sam Acho and uh, it's the other brother, uh, Manuel. Man, it was oh, yeah, Manuel Acho. Yeah. Like, yeah, that that ain't happening. So there you go, Luke the Law Hand. Rowdy, would it behoove someone to put a little money down then on the uh, anytime touchdown from the defense over than anyone on the offense? I don't know. I think it, you might be more safe to play Iowa team total under <laughs> than an Iowa touchdown. What's, what's the, the team what's total the, under? Yeah, what's that under? I mean, I would guess it would be around seven. Oh. <laughs> it, just looking at the... The 35 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Where is Jordan Love's turkey leg? This egregious... I don't even know the words I'm looking for. This egregious uh, happenings will not stand as Jordan Love. You're honoring John Madden on Thanksgiving. John Madden, the guy who started giving out turkey legs to the MVPs of the game on Thanksgiving. You're honoring him, and you can't give Jordan Love his turkey leg. The man was so disappointed when Aaron Andrews was there talking with him, and she just tried to skirt right by and say, oh, we don't have one for you, sorry, but a donation will be made in your name. Rowdy, Rowdy. It's Thanksgiving. You're the star quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. You just had your best game uh, of the year. What would you rather have, a turkey leg to gnaw on on Thanksgiving or a donation for a turkey made in your name? I would even argue that it was the best game of his career. Yeah, I'm right there with you. What do you, what do you want, the turkey leg in your hand, gnawing it in your mouth, or a donation well, made in your name? Did you see his reaction? Yeah, he's pissed. He, he, was, like, he was, like, surprised. He's like, wait, I really? Yeah, I he's like, really? And I, I didn't think anything of it either. Well, I shouldn't say I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think too much into it where it was like, okay, first game, Maybe there's, you know, something different going on. They're not doing that anymore. Who knows? Maybe they're still blah about COVID. No, no. Whatever. But then when all the other games had it and multiple guys, it would be like, oh, here's a guy from the defense and here's a guy from the offense. Now they're both gnawing on the, the big turkey leg. Yeah. It's like, wait, Jordan Love totally got screwed. He did. Now, they tried to blame Greg Olson because Greg Olson was given one in the booth and he, like, destroyed it. Uh, before the game, here's the thing. Greg Olson went to Twitter because Greg Olson tried to defend, you know, his own honors, and he said, "No, no, 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 no. There's always a a turducken made for the booth and one made for down on the field." So Greg Olson's like, "This, this ain't on me. This is not me." 
Fox must have been cutting corners and skimpy with their money. Because if you watch the halftime show, that looked like it was put together by duct tape and some friggin' uh, some packing foam. I don't even know what the hell. That wasn't even an igloo. I don't even know what the hell that was. Yeah, sorry, Jordan. You don't get to have a turkey leg or a turducken or anything, but you do have a commemorative. There you go. John Madden patch, though. You'll always have that. <laughs> they can't take that away from you, yeah. Jordan. I don't think you can eat. I mean, you could eat it. But I don't think it would be the tasty and wouldn't be greatest for the digestive tract. But yeah, how does Jordan Love get screwed out of a turkey leg? Hey, Fox, by the way, you need to answer. For the Green Bay Packers to beat Detroit, we were talking about it obviously early last week. It was going to come down to if they could block that front seven for the Detroit Lions. Dude, they did a really good job up front, and Jordan Love let it fly. Like, that was the exact blueprint on how they were going to beat Detroit, and they, honestly, they perfected it. And the defense, defense played good again. I know you look up there and say, oh, the the Detroit Lions scored 22 points. Yeah, but that was actually below the Detroit Lions average. And when you think about it, that last eight points that they scored in the fourth quarter, I think you could kind of say that was almost garbage time. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. That game was um, that was Jordan Love's best career game, Rowdy. Best career, and what a bounce back after getting embarrassed uh, at Lambeau Field against the Lions. Uh, the Lions did not have an answer. They got punched in the mouth right away. And Dan Campbell, what was Dan Campbell's introductory press conference? We're gonna kick you in the throat. We're gonna bite your kneecap. We're gonna you know tear off your nutsack. Yada yada yada. Well, the Packers did that to them. And how about Jordan Love, the first play to, and the, how about the Christian Watson bounce back game? Yeah, that's, that's the, my two biggest takeaways, or I guess I should say three offensive line played really well, way better than what they did in Lambeau against Detroit. The first Thursday they played each other. Yeah. Jordan Love had to light it up. If the Packers were going to have a chance to win this game, he did. And how about some of the catches from Christian Watson? You know how uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago you joked with Dwight Love, who (laughs) Dwight Love, if you're a a longtime listener, you know exactly who I'm talking about. He has an obsession with Jeff Janice. Yeah, Jeff Janice, track athletes, and some wide receivers. Yeah. Well, Christian Watson falls into that some wide receivers category. And he called him the second coming of Randy Moss and said he was like Randy Moss's son. Yeah, last year he said that. Um, if you blindly would have told somebody that had no idea who Christian Watson was, showed him the tape of this Detroit game and said, this is Randy Moss's son, he's the next coming, they would believe you. Because he had he had a couple of really nice catches. He did. What was that stat line for Randy Moss? It was three catches, three touchdowns for like 180 something yards on yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. It was on a Thanksgiving yep. against Detroit. Straight cash, homie. But yeah, I mean, Christian Watson made a ton of tough catches and he finished five for 94 with a touchdown. But I mean, that's the Christian Watson that everyone was hoping for. That's the ceiling of Christian Watson that Brian Gutekun saw when he traded up in the second round to draft him. And again, once this team is 100% healthy, and we're talking about a Christian Watson that can do that, a Romeo Dobbs who is extremely solid, and then you have a Jaden Reed and a Devontae Wicks who are on the, uh, the come up as rookies that have all of a sudden been emerging the last couple weeks. 
I was going to say going into that game, or actually I was talking about this with some family. Could you imagine this receiving core if they just keep getting better and it just kind of it, but it is kind of what it is. Yeah. You have like um, a solid Romeo Dobbs and up and coming Reed, just a solid wicks and, and kind of like a stretch the defense deep Watson. And they added a Marvin Harrison Jr. AKA Maserati Marv. <laughs> Maserati Marv. But could you imagine did you hear that, that on receiving Saturday? core if they would have if they add like a Marvin Harrison Jr. Like with where it's trending, that would be elite. Yeah, no, and not PJ Fleck elite. We're talking uh, actually actually elite, a capital E elite. By the way, real quick, Gus Johnson with are you a Gus Johnson guy? No, no. Gus Johnson. Sometimes I grin and, and crack up. When he Other says times Maserati Marv, how it many times? Me. How many times did you hear Maserati Marv every on time Saturday? he made a catch? I was like, okay, okay, Gus, let's just <laughs> Maserati Marv. He's yeah. too he's too over the top. Sometimes his screams crack me up. Oh! Gus Johnson. Yeah. What a g- and that pass from Jordan Love into like triple covered traffic that Jaden Reed caught for that touchdown. Now, Jordan Love after we're here for Jordan Love momentarily. Love was like, I don't even know how that ball got in there. It was a busted play. Like it wasn't supposed to happen like that. But my God, that was a friggin' phew. I saw some people saying not even Aaron Rodgers would have fitted into that tight window. Okay. I chuckled because obviously if Aaron Rodgers wanted to do it, he would do it. But then there was a part of me that was like, actually, I kind of agree with this tweet. I don't think Aaron Rodgers would fit it into this window either. He wouldn't have thrown the football. No, no. You know who would have thrown the football, though, and they would have been able to fit it into that window? Brett Favre. Yeah. Brett Lorenzo Favre. But yes, that's, Love you, Favre. That's a window that even Aaron Rodgers wouldn't throw into. Uh, by the way, I want to give a happy belated... But let's not make that a habit. No, no. no. <laughs> I want to give a happy belated birthday to the fabulous farm babe, Pam Yankee. Pam turned 60 uh, last week, and one of her surprised gifts for Pam Yankee was a cameo. A It's an app. You can go have celebrities, you know, read stuff. You, you pay money, and they read what you send them. Uh, someone, I think it was our girl Bonnie, who you know from the voice of Wisconsin Volleyball, Point Wisconsin, that uh, she got Brett Favre to do a cameo for Pam Yankee. And in the uh, cameo, Brett Favre went off script and gave Pam a very emotional, heartfelt, even tears in his eyes, thank you for her support, as this is the most trying time of his career. As And I quote, my own state is trying to tear down my great name. Oh, I choked up watching it. I love you, Brett. Mwah. Not terrible, though, Rowdy. Us talking about the Packers right now. And you said it, and I think everyone else is thinking it, and I'm thinking it as well. How are we talking about the Packers on a playoff push from where the season? Well, week one looked like it was be gangbusters for the Packers. They blew the hell out of the Bears. But then past that, you're like, this team stinks. Thanks. Well, think about where we were mm, probably in mid-October. Oh, sorry, here's the follow-up. Uh, apparently, uh, 35 years ago, a guy smuggled a turkey in his jacket and then released it out on the field. That's that's ballsy to put a turkey in your jacket. Must right. have been a small one. Right, peck or you a somewhere. large man. Right, peck you someplace you don't want to be pecked. Anyways. But, I mean, there's I was thinking about this last night when I was looking up the bowl projections for the, the Wisconsin Badgers and where some of the experts thought that they would be bowling. And if you would have asked me in mid-October, 
I feel like there's no way I would have been thinking this because we were talking off air. If they go to the Music City Bowl, it's December 30th. It's a Saturday. They play at 2 p.m. That would be a prime time for a, yeah. a tailgate at like a local establishment. Hell yeah. If they go to the Pinstripe Bowl, which is where one of the publications Adam slated, they would be playing on a Thursday afternoon at 115. Not necessarily the prime time easy yeah. to have a you know a tailgate for people to come out, hang out, and have you know food and drinks at. What's your booze hound? Well, if you would have asked me in mid October when the th- the Wisconsin Badgers were four and one. Wow. It's going to, it might be easier to schedule a green Bay Packer, you know, tailgate for a playoff game than it will be for a Badger bowl game. I probably would have laughed you out. Right. Like at that point in mid October, what obviously the first three weeks of the season, the, the Packers were two and one, but then they lost four straight. Like, <laughs> No, that was right through some of the toughest stretches that the Packers were having. There's no way that anyone in, you know, mid to late October would have been thinking that Green Bay was a playoff team. And then on the flip side, that the Badgers would be battling for bowl eligibility when they started four and one. Yeah. So look at where we are now. It might, might, if they don't get the Music City Bowl be easier to schedule a Green Bay playoff game than a Badger bowl game. We live in bizarre times. And I'm rooting hard Music for City the bowl. Music City Bowl. Uh, I think uh, December 6th, 5th or 6th, somewhere around there is when the bowls will be announced. I think if you think about it, they just played in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Remember we were talking about bowl projections last week? They just played in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl last year. Why would you want to go back? And then one of the other ones that they had been projected around was the Vegas Bowl. It was They played in that two years ago. Yeah. Even the Pinstripe Bowl they played in as recently as Jack Cohn's second to last year. With, was that second to last year with the Badgers? Or 2018-2019, yeah, yeah. uh, they played in the, the Pinstripe Bowl. I don't need to see them play in those bowls. It's been since 2003. Give them the Music City Bowl. It's time to go to Nashville. I want to go. It's either there or Detroit, and I don't want to go Nashville. to Detroit. No, no to Detroit. <laughs> and I don't want to go to Yankee Stadium. I want to go to Nashville. All right, year one, minus a bowl game in the books for Wisconsin. Rowdy, you said you already had a grade. It's up at Zone Madison, A, B, C, D. There's not a choice for F. I don't know if anyone would vote for F. If you want to say F, you can. Rowdy, what's your grade? Yeah, we don't have a ton of time here, but I'm giving the Badgers a C. That's right where I went, too. Now, expectations, everyone thought it would be an A by the end of the year, and then all the season unfolded. If they would have lost to Minnesota, it would have been a D. Would have still been a D. If they lose to Minnesota and they would have went 6-6, six and six, yeah, I don't think I could have given them any better than a D plus. Yeah, I said C. Now, what, their most complete game Saturday? Against oh. PJ Fleck and the Clowns? There's not a ton to choose from. Yeah. I mean, you look at it, your wins, Buffalo. Can you really say one of your best wins was Buffalo? Buffalo won like three or four games this year, and they play in the freaking Mac. <laughs> Georgia yeah. Southern. Georgia Southern. This is a team that they made it to a bowl game, but they're like, I want to say they finished with like seven wins in the Sun Belt. It's not like uh, they're some, you know, dominant team. Mm-hmm. 
Purdue. Purdue didn't make a bowl game. Rutgers, I guess they finished, I think, like seven and five. Maybe. But then you think about it, without that Ricardo Hallman pick six, yeah. they might lose that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Illinois. You had to come back and, and beat the hell out of them in the fourth quarter to win that game. Exciting win, but the overall E. Nebraska, you got smoked in the first quarter, had to come back. I would say best game, Minnesota. Yeah. And I would actually argue that their best two games were probably Nebraska and Minnesota back-to-back, which means you're trending at least in the right direction. Yeah. Um, it's also bad when you're talking about your two best games and trending in the right direction were must-win games, whether that be to make a bowl or for your biggest rivalry, the Axe, and they were against teams that won five games and didn't make bowls. Well, sorry, Minnesota's in the bowls thanks to their oh, academic yeah. academic record and, and not enough teams qualifying. They're the only 5-17 and 17 to make a bowl. For those that missed it, tell them what happened, Rowdy, with Hawaii. Well, yeah, Hawaii ended up winning the game on a last second field goal. Colorado State ends up going five and seven. And then it turns out that there were three teams short in uh, college football of making all the bowl games. So they ended up taking Jacksonville State and James Madison, which is rightfully deserved and rightfully so. Those two teams should have been in regardless. That's just a sham that they're not. But then they had one leftover spot, and it goes to the team with the best academic progress record, and that happens to be your five and seven Minnesota Minnesota Gophers. All because of their grades. Got so I in. guess I take that back. It was two teams with five wins, one that will be bowling. PJ Fleck probably going to make a ring out of it. Made Ooh. a bowl game. You know, if you look at it though, Badgers had seven wins. Georgia Southern's going bowling. Rutgers is going bowling. Minnesota's technically going bowling. That's not that's not a whole lot of good wins. No. Yeah. Maybe C was nice. I'm lowering it. C minus. C Hey, still a C, Rowdy. C's get degrees. That's right. And on the poll at Zone Madison, the grade of C in the lead, sixty percent. A B twenty eight percent. D ten percent and two percent to an A. Who the hell voted A? I would love to know. Alas, what was their expectations? I don't know, but here's what I do know. To well, not make a bowl? <laughs> the letter grade for year one of Luke Fickle's Wisconsin Badgers, C, has been the resounding vote on Twitter. Rowdy gave him a C. I also gave them a C. Rowdy, explain your C grade. I think C minus you said actually. Oh, sorry, but... Uh, you know... Meeting expectation was eight and a half wins, according to Vegas, with a little bit of uh, the juice. I believe it was going to the over. So they were supposed to be an eight to nine win team. That makes sense. A lot of people were higher on them because of the Luke Fickle, because of the transfer portal and the recruits that were coming in and the soft schedule. So let's dive in and see what they did. They beat Buffalo week one, but they had to pull away in the second half. Buffalo won three games this year in the MAC. They're horrible. They stink. You had all the revenge in the world against Washington State. You had to fly out to Pullman to play them. It felt like this would be a new year, new team. You lost. Now, 
We can argue those fumble that fumble that was ruled a fumble. We can argue, you know, that there were some bad calls late, but still you lost that game. And that was one where that rematch with that type of revenge, knowing that that was a big game early in the season, that kind of stings. You take care of business against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern is six and six in the Sun Belt. You take care of business at Purdue. They won four games this year. You beat Rutgers, but that could have went either way, especially if that pick six didn't happen. Rutgers is six and six. You lost to Iowa in a gross game and Tanner Mordecai broke his hand. All right, I'll give him that one. That one's, it is what it is. When your quarterback went out with those type of defense and special teams. And then when you look at Illinois, you had to come back and beat them basically in one quarter. Illinois didn't make a bowl game. They won five games. You played tough against Ohio State. There's credit there. Obviously, Ohio State's, a, well, before the new rankings was a top three team in the country. I still think they're probably a top five or so team in the country. But this is where it just gets even worse. You lost to Indiana. You lost to Indiana. Terrible they won loss. three games. Terrible loss. You didn't even show up against Northwestern. They went seven and five. They made a bowl game. And then you won against Nebraska and Minnesota, both teams that were five and seven. You look at this entire schedule. Oh, yeah. And by the way, yeah. we all thought that Washington State early in the year was going to be a good win when they, they started four and one. They fell off hard. Yeah, they were horrible to end the season. They finished five and seven. They didn't even make a bowl game. Tough scene. The only teams with winning records that the Badgers played were Iowa, Ohio State, and Northwestern. And you went 0-3 against them. You look at the 6-6 teams, Georgia Southern, Rutgers. Okay, you won both of those games, and it's not like they were that impressive. One could have went the other way without a pick six. You got wins against Nebraska, Minnesota, Illinois. Those were 5-7 and teams, and those were... Uh, you know, at least two out of the three were tough games. I don't know. I'm looking at it and you, you went seven and five. You didn't beat anyone good. The three best teams you play that actually had winning records. You lost to, you did have a lot of injuries. You did have a quarterback that broke his hand. You had your one, two punch at running back was dinged up and broke his ankle. So I get there were injuries, I get that you're trying a new offense and a new defensive scheme and don't necessarily have the players, but man, with that schedule, if they just would have taken care of business against Washington state and, you know, Indiana didn't lose against Indiana Northwestern and your only losses would have been to a really good Ohio state team and a game in which your quarterback broke his hand and you were thrusted into throwing a guy that had never, you know, really played Illinois. That I could have seen. I could have seen 10 and 2. But the fact that you found ways to lose some of these, I can't give them any better than a C. And then when I told you, I'm thinking about it again. C minus. Yeah. They're from, from the expectations to reality, I think C is fair. Have gotten much worse? <sighs> hey, Grant. Morning, boys. Much worse. Yeah, it could have gotten worse. You could have lost to Minnesota. Could have got way worse. You could have lost to Minnesota, and that would have been the sour point of the the true sour point of the season. The axe stays, you know, in Minneapolis. PJ Fleck looks like he's not a clown for a couple hours. You know how many bowl teams the Badgers beat this year? Three. 
Georgia Southern, Rutgers, and technically Minnesota. Three. And Minnesota got in because of grades. Well, on the road. Tough, tough cold environment. It was nasty in the, I was in the cities for that. I was in I was in Minneapolis. I was in Dinkytown on Saturday. It was, it what's was the cold. vibe what's the vibe like for PJ Fleck out there in Dinkytown? You know, I, I wish I would have worn Badger stuff. I didn't. I, I was a little bit of a <sighs> Missed coward. Missed opportunity. But I also don't like being that guy. You know, I'm not a Philly sports well, they fan. They were playing in Minneapolis. Grant knew exactly what he was doing. What'd you wear? He didn't Grateful wear Dead tie-dye? Badger gear because he <laughs> thought they were going to lose, and he didn't want to be the guy wearing Badger gear. Not true. I wore, I wore a sweater because it was a holiday weekend. Turtleneck? No. Uh-huh. I don't have a good turtleneck right now. I need to, I need to stock up. Um, yes. I, th- I think C is very fair for the Badgers. Very fair. I do would grade on a curve. I, I would rather them have a C. There's there's levels to a C season. Like they made a bowl and they beat Minnesota. You ended on a high note. Exactly. Like right, I, you had those classes in school. A bell curve across. No, not many. No, I literally talked about grading on a curve last week for another reason. I had yes. one one exam or one class that ever really had exams that were graded on a curve. I I had one that was like hardcore curve. Which one was it? It was uh, what was gender it? studies? No, it was computer. <laughs> Pro, principles and pronouns. It was a computer programming okay. class. Use my pronouns correctly, you bigot. Yeah. It, let's just say I never ever want to ever take a computer programming in. No. Um, He's not a coder. Software class no. again, but that was a hardcore grade. So I got my first test back, and I got a sixty-nine, and I'm crapping myself, nice. going, "Oh man," because nice. it was always out of a hundred. Yeah. Turns out that actually been was a pretty decent score. Was a Someone I'm else sure. got a seven. Yeah. <laughs> You're not a programmer at heart. You're a man no, of the arts. No, but like that's nah. what I'm saying. That was a hardcore <laughs> class that was totally on a curve. Yeah. So when you got C's in that class, it actually wasn't bad. Yes. But when you're in like your average everyday, you know, typical class that you would take if it was, you know, science yes. or gender reading studies. or a history type class, if you got a C, you probably didn't feel that good about it. Correct. Uh, the Badgers finished our season on a high note. And I think the whole season, if, if you would have explained to me this is how the season would go at the beginning of the year, it would be a disappointment. It's still a disappointment, but now seeing how they finished and beating Minnesota the way that they did. Yeah. I'd rather end on a high note than not. Yeah, I mean, well, we, yeah we totally. Gotta, beggars can't be choosers at this point of a, a disappointing college football season. By the way, that uh, computer software and programming class, there was that one a-hole. Because he'd always put up oh, the yeah, board. Oh, set the curve. He'd put up yep. on the board where all the scores were. I'm serious, dude. There was a seven. Seven out of 100 for one of the tests. But there was this one a-hole. He always answered every question. He looked like a little computer nerd. He would get a 98 or a 99 every time, and he would F up the curve for everybody. There's always one. Now, I don't know if this flew in, in when you were in class, Rowdy. Did you go and beat the nerd up after afterwards? Did the jocks go and take down the nerd? No, I just I just hovered in my I hovered in my nerd. 60 to 70%. And that ended up coming out to like C's and B's. But all the people that were getting like the 50s and lower, they were getting really screwed. C's and B's get degrees. <laughs> yeah. And and look at you now. Oh, oh that's that's not my class. And now you're an Computer A, now you're an a plus software, broadcaster. Now you're an a, thank you, Evo. You're an A plus. And that's not, and that's on, a not on a curve. That's not that's on, not on, on a, curve. a curve. You are an A plus broadcaster. That's Earth. Frank Reich, you're fired. Rowdy, give me a you're fired. You're fired. Uh, it's kind of funny because I actually saw a tweet yesterday when I was um, cruising Twitter, and it was after that Panthers game. Now, unfortunately, the Panthers were one of our 
you know, couple NFL losses. That team is just so bad. And the disservice that they've done to Bryce Young with how bad that offensive line is, there really isn't a great running game there. And there's not a ton of, of wide receiver or tight end talent either. If you're looking at what's good in Carolina, it's everything that's on the defensive side of the ball. If you're going to come up with something, but Frank Reich, I actually thought that that might be a decent hire at the time because Frank Reich, uh, you know, in, in Buffalo and then Indy had had some success, especially as a play caller, man, that, that, uh, did not ring true, but I saw a tweet from one of the beat writers with Carolina and it was after the game and they're like, man, that was probably some of the most depressing or somber comments from Frank Reich. It reminds me of kind of the comments he had before he got fired in Indy. Dead man sure walking. Sure crap. 24 hours later, who are you telling me just got fired? Frank Reich. You're fired. But it's funny that that tweet nailed it. They, that beat writer absolutely nailed it. They go, this is the most somber and like dead man walking I've heard Frank Reich since the day he got fired in Indy. Um, also over the weekend, Jack Del Rio fired Commanders that's DC. Just, that's just, that's an LOL. That is a, that, like, that team stinks. You look at the Washington Commanders, okay, their offensive line is trash. Whether you think Sam Howell is good or not, the guy can at least fling the football and has shown that he can rack up yards and be somewhat productive because he's also got some wheels where he can run a little bit behind that crappy offensive line. Yeah. You look at their skilled players at tight end wide receiver and running back. Yeah. They got a couple of decent, you know, two, three decent wideouts and eh, running backs and eh, tight ends. And eh. so he's kind of making that work offensively, but you look at the defense I get it. They're they're bottom five offensive or defensively against the pass and the rush. But you think all of a sudden that that's Del Rio's fault? And like I'm not trying to stand up for Jack Del Rio. I could you know give a crap if he gets fired or not. But it's just funny that that's the fall guy on when, Thanksgiving too fired when Ron Rivera has been awful. The whole team has been awful. And oh hey, imagine being a defensive coordinator. And them saying, well, you know, we're not very good and we might be firing the head coach and we might have traded away our best two pass rushers and chase young and, and, um, and sweat. Yeah. But now we can't get a pass rush and our defense is even worse. Who, who would have thought when you traded away your best, arguably your best two players on defense, who would have thought that the defense would have been completely trash? Right. One more time, Rowdy. You're fired. Well, that's the thing. Jack Del Rio, you're fired. <laughs> but you know who's going to get the axe? The axe man cometh for Ron Rivera. Riverboat Ron. Yeah, that's... He's coming up snake eyes, Riverboat Ron. And you see the reports from all the Washington commander, uh, you know, organization? The new owners are going to shake things up. The new owners yeah. are going to make changes. All right, great. Fire Then fire them all. Yeah. Fire them all. Let God sort them out. You're fired. Yeah, that that whole team has been a dumpster fire the last, like, three, four weeks. Hey, before we get to comments from Jordan Love, I saw our guy Vagabond John on Twitter at the Real Red Shed. The average score for a winning NFL team so far this week, 27.4 points. And then he says, how many times 
has Joe Barry allowed this point total in the last 16 games? The answer? Once. Speaking of people that want to be fired, has Joe Barry done an about-face here, Rowdy, for the fan base? Is is Joe Barry's seat no longer scorching hot? Man, you know, when we're looking it, at the is, is season... Is it cold, though? If you're looking at the head coach and then offense and defensive coordinators, and those are kind of like the the three... Well, obviously, Matt LaFleur is basically the OC. He calls the plays. Yeah. So you're just looking at Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry... Yeah, I would say, weirdly enough, in this bizarre reality that we live in, Joe Barry has been better than Matt LaFleur this year. Yeah, at one point in the season, I said, let Joe Barry be head coach and fire Matt LaFleur because Joe Barry, Matt LaFleur makes Joe Barry look competent as a coach. Now, if I'm trying to state my case for my um, my defendant, Matt LaFleur, I would have to probably say, well... Joe Barry's got a lot of first round picks. Joe Barry's got a lot of draft capital. Joe Barry's got a lot of proven talent. The I'm Barry trying, boys. Yeah, I'm trying to work with an offensive line that was down two or three of our best starters for a handful of weeks. I'm trying to work with, you know, a running back room that has been void Aaron Jones for a number of weeks. I'm trying to work with all wide receivers that are first and second year guys. I'm trying to work with a tight end room that's mostly you know young players in their first year and oh by the way my most experienced tight end and taylor uh tyler davis towards acl in the first preseason game like i'm working with nothing so i mean that would be what if you're going to defend matt lafleur it was man he had way less talent and he had a lot more injuries i guess you would say but then i will give joe barry more credit as of late because i'm actually pretty impressed with what this defense continues to do after they traded Rasul Douglas like that easily at that point at the trade deadline, they easily could have said, well, he was our leader on defense. He was statistically the third best corner in the NFL, according to pro football focus at that time. And we traded him away. They easily could have just shut it down because it's not like a few weeks ago, the Packers were in some like playoff hunt. Now all now of a they sudden are. they're in the playoffs. Speaking hunt, of that, uh, I'd be willing to make a bet if I could find some plus odds that I would probably take well, Rowdy, the Packers to make the playoffs. Believe it or not, in my inbox uh, two hours ago from Odds Checker Insights sent me an email. Here is the uh, the headline, the uh, the subject. Falcons now expected to make playoffs following their win over the Saints. And then they do a little breakdown. So here you go, the Falcons now, odds of making the playoffs. 54.5% minus 120. The next team, the Vikings, minus 220 at 68.8%. The Seattle Seahawks, plus 135, a 42.6% chance. And then the then the fourth team, the Green Bay Packers, plus 110 money with a 47.6% chance of making the playoffs. Well, yeah, if you look at it, obviously now... They take seven teams from each side. Looking at the NFC, I think... And behind them is the Rams and the Saints. I think your top five is pretty pretty secure. Eagles, 49ers, Lions, and Cowboys, you would say those four are definitely the four best teams in the NFC so far? Yep. Those look like teams that are probably locked to make the playoffs. You obviously have to throw in that fifth team, and it's not because they're good by any means, but it's because of the, you know, the rule that... Division leaders 
make it to the playoffs. So that that fifth team is whoever wins the South. Those are the five teams, in my opinion, that are locked in ahead of the Green Bay Packers. But you look at that six through six through thirteen. Well, you have the Minnesota Vikings at six and five. They play the Bears tonight. You look at their schedule moving forward. At the Raiders, who all of a sudden have been playing pretty decent football. At Cincinnati, which is clearly not as good as a team as as what they were with Joe Burrow. But then Lions, Packers at Lions. Yeah. And if the Lions are still somewhat staying within uh, you know, pace of the first seed or potentially of, you know, maybe they do lose a few games here and they need to start winning to win the division. I, I don't know. I feel like looking at the Vikings schedule, I could see them going about two and four, sure. three and three. If they go two and four, you're sitting there at eight and nine. You go three and three, you're, you're nine and seven or sorry, nine and eight. And then you look at uh, the rest of the, the teams, the Seattle Seahawks. They're also six and five. Well, Seahawks since late October, since roughly Halloween Seahawks haven't been very impressive. They beat Cleveland in a game they shouldn't have won. They got absolutely canned by Baltimore. They barely beat one of the worst teams in football right now in the Commanders. You found a way to lose against the Rams, and you got obliterated on Thanksgiving by the 49ers. Here's their schedule. At Dallas. At San Francisco. Home against the Philadelphia Eagles. At Tennessee. Home against the Steelers, who, by the way, are 7-4. and four. All Mike Tomlin does is win. Yeah, and then at Arizona, I could very well see them finishing 2-4. and four. Yeah. That's, that puts them at 8-9. and nine. And then you finally look at the Packers. Well, they have the Chiefs, but then you have the Giants, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, at the Vikings, and the Bears. There's only one team outside of the Chiefs that I'm named – that has more than four wins, and that happens to be the Vikings who are ahead of you in the standings. Yep. Even if the, the Packers take care of business against the teams they should be, that are, take that back. If they take care of business against teams that they are higher than in the standings, so we'll say they do lose to Minnesota, they still finish four and two. That puts them at, at nine and eight. I just said the Vikings at best are probably nine and eight. More likely to be eight and nine. Seahawks look like they're pretty compelled to be eight and nine. If they just take care of business against teams that are lower than them in the standings, I I think at worst they're in a tiebreaker. And could you imagine? Ooh-wee. I think they could get as high as the sixth seed if if they you know and win the, these games. The they Chiefs should. aren't playing that well right now either. So no, they are. They got the Packers. They come to Lambeau Sunday night. Chiefs aren't playing that high. And I mean, look at the teams below the Green Bay Packers. You have the Rams who are five and six. Packers have the tiebreaker. Beat yep. them head to head. Beat them. You have the Saints who are five and six. Well, it looks like probably the Saints, if they do make the postseason, it's probably going to be winning the South. Yep. We'll see how that plays out. But it doesn't matter. Packers have the tiebreaker on Beat the them. Saints. Beat them. Uh, they play Tampa Bay later this year, they're a few a, games from now. Invisible. Tampa Bay is uh, Tampa Bay is four and seven. A win there probably knocks them out of contention, anyways. But even if it didn't, say they got hot. If you beat them, you have the head-to-head there. Same thing with the Giants, four and eight. If you win against them, that probably knocks them out anyways. Plus, you would have the tiebreaker. They would literally have the tiebreaker against the four teams under them, and the commanders suck. They're four and eight. Do you really think that they'll finish nine and eight? Nope. Eight and nine? Nope. I don't either. 
None of the other teams are a threat. It's literally, can they outplay Minnesota and Seattle? They have to outplay one of them. They're a game behind both of them. Are we talking Packers playoffs? Jordan, I can't believe we're talking about this. Same. Jordan Love asked about it after uh, the Thursday shellacking they put on the Lions on the win and moving into that wild card picture. It's just part of the process. We're taking it week by week right now, and we need to win every week is the mindset we have. So just being able to show up here, get the win, obviously a very good Lions team, like you said, division leader. So um, this was a huge win that we needed. Yeah, gigantic. Uh, now, Rowdy, we were talking earlier today, you know, the uh, Christian Watson, his coming out party as well this season. Uh, Jordan Love talks about growing with one Christian Watson. We continue to work every week. Obviously, we know it's not going to be perfect, but the progress is there. But we continue to put that work in every week and build that chemistry. Obviously, Christian's a guy I trust, and he's just going out there and making plays right now. And he, it was a big-time performance by him today. And here's the thing. Um, well, this has been a knock on Christian Watson, but the other ones not so much. The wide receivers battling for the ball. Watson, he looked good. Here is uh, Love on his receivers battling. Receivers balled out today. You know, that's that confidence. We just keep building that. Um, and they're going up there and making plays right now, and it's huge. Obviously, we, we, we always talk about it's not going to be perfect. But uh, I love the way they're going out there competing and uh, making those contested catches right now. The first play of the game was that big bomb to Christian Watson. Matt LaFleur wanted to change that play uh, the day before the game. And Jordan Love said, no, dude, no. We're keeping with it. We're doing it. And uh, it was nice to see that, you know, Love, would you say Love finally got a little more command of this offense? Uh, maybe a little bit, but I think in, in this game, they needed Jordan Love to throw the ball well. If Jordan Love did not throw the ball well and the receivers didn't step up, like that was your only path to beating Detroit, you were not going to beat Detroit running the football. No. Especially without an Aaron Jones. Like you look at what the Packers did, Rushing the football. They rushed for 109 yards. 37 of the 109 came off of the Jordan Love scramble. Yep. Like, you don't have that scramble. You have about 70 yards on the ground. Like, you weren't winning this game running the football, but the offensive line, for the most part, held up. Jordan Love found his guys. And like he mentioned, Christian Watson went out and made some big-time plays. And I think it means even more. When you have an Aaron Jones on the sideline, when you have a Luke Musgrave on the sideline, uh, Dontavian Wicks is on the sideline. You th- those three guys, Wicks has been coming on. Musgrave had been your te- <laughs> Musgrave had been your best tight end, and Aaron Jones is your best playmaker and best running back. All those guys were on the shelf, and you still found a way to win, and honestly, win convincingly. You won by a touchdown and really the late touchdown by the Lions was kind of garbage time. Yeah. Like that's a big time win for the Packers. Clearly their best game of the year. Here's love on. I was asked about, you know, commanding this offense more. It definitely feels different. Um, It's just part of the process though. We're we're just taking it week by week, focusing on what we can do throughout the week to get better. Focus on areas that we need to improve on. And we're going out there practicing really hard during the week. And then obviously you see the growth is starting to show every week, but it's, it's just testament to everybody showing up, working, staying committed to the process. And then one more from Love. He talks, you know, how all three phases of the game were dialed in. We went on the road and came up short some of these close games. So just being able to come up here, like I said again, against a really good team, you know, being down a couple guys, a lot of guys stepped up today. But it was it was huge. We knew exactly what we needed to do coming into this week and exactly what we needed to get this win. And guys just executed, performed on all three phases. I had a couple messages, Rowdy, asking me if you and your feelings of Rashawn Gary. Did you get any of those? 
No. You, I think those people you, have finally just moved on. Yeah, because, man, that defense, Rashawn Gary was I did talk up. a little Rashawn Gary on Wednesday, though, when I was out and about. Yeah? And they asked me my thoughts on Rashawn and if I would change them. And I told him he made it personal. Yeah, Rashawn Gary blocked Nelly on Twitter. I said on Twitter, I do not like the Rashawn Gary pick. I would have went with two other players, which, by the way, my analysis for the two players I wanted would have both hit. Brian Burns has been good, arguably just as good as Rashawn Gary in Carolina. And Lindstrom has been, I believe, a two-time pro bowler as a guard on the offensive line for the Falcons. So both of those would have hit, but I will say I didn't like the Gary pick. I didn't like, I, the I didn't like it either. So I tweeted that I, I tweeted something along the lines of don't like Rashawn Gary at 12, you know, blah, blah, blah project. We don't need a project. We need a player. Yep. And he had to have searched his own name yeah, on never, Twitter never tagged him, and it? then blocked it because I didn't follow him on Twitter and I didn't tag him on Twitter. Yeah. That's when it became personal and I was <laughs> I was all in on pushing the buttons and saying, No, 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 this guy's a bust, this guy stinks, this guy's soft. A lot of people I, I was saying that. Uh, I know Bill Michaels was saying that because Bill was talking, he was like, I was wrong on that. Like a lot of people did not like it, but he has turned into a nice little bull rusher now. Yeah, he has turned into a pretty nice player, and I'm uh, I'm glad the Packers have him. Yep. But one last thing I wanted to add to that Detroit win. Yeah. I think it's even more impressive, more even so than all the players being out. But think of this. It's a team that just kicked your ass the last time you played. You easily could have backed down. The other thing is, this was on a Thanksgiving. We know that the Lions and the Cowboys, they're the historic Thanksgiving brand. They get up for those games. The third part about that is, when you have short time, you know, you ever hear the uh, the saying, Jimmy's and Joe's, X's and O's versus Jimmy's and Joe's? All the time. When you're on a short week, there's less time for X's and O's, and it's more about the Jimmy's and Joe's because you got to roll the football. You don't have as much time to get your game plans ready. It's a condensed week. So you had a ton of guys out. It was a team that kicked your ass when you were even healthier the first time you played, and you had a short week where... You had guys out, and they're probably a better team on paper than you anyways, and you still found a way to go in there and kick their ass on Thanksgiving, their day? Hell of a hell of a game for the Packers. Big time. It was also written in the stars, too. The, Vi- or the Lions are now 0-7, seven, seven straight losses on Thanksgiving Day. Seven straight losses. And then if you go back since the AFL-NFL merger, and this comes with, uh, you know, it's your crystals and your, your hippy-dippy stuff. The waxing gibbous, the moon, since the AFL-NFL merger, the Lions are 0-12 on Thanksgiving.